try to be comfortable being uncomfortable because when you finally do do that thing that you were afraid about, you won't be afraid the next time. Sound in the part, I want you to sound like you sound now. Don't change that because they employed you. And again, I'm gonna bang on the drum, they employed you because you are who they wanted. If you change who you are, they didn't employ that person. Be yourself. So something I wanted to ask you, um, so like I said, last year I did an internship and yeah. it was easy to kind of go in early every day, um, work hard, do everything on time, ask for more stuff all the time, because I know I knew it was a limited time to try and get a, a return offer or extension offer. And, but now going into work, how, how do you do that so that you can, as you say, you know, uh, go up, progress with your career, um, so that you are um, bringing value. Like, what, what, does, what does it even mean to bring value and how do you do that without, you know, whilst actually getting the rewards from it? All right, guys, wait, 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 hold up. So we looked at the analytics and apparently 25% of you who watch this podcast are not subscribed. Now, that doesn't make sense because if you're watching this podcast, then you clearly like it and you clearly want more. So the best way to get more is to subscribe. And guess what? They even do another thing, subscribe. Hit that little bell button and put the notifications on. So when we post this exquisite content, right, you'll get it directly in your notifications. So subscribe right now. Thank you. Okay, so when I talk about added value, it's very important to say like, don't kill yourself. And it's not about kind of showing that you're, you're doing like three, four, five hours because you kind of work yourself into the ground. It's not the way. I say when, you're talk, when I'm talking about added value, I say, go in, do your job, do your job well, but take an opportunity to spot areas of improvement within your team, within, within the department, or anything that you're, you guys can be doing to make your day-to-day -day better. Because you're going to go in, I promise you, and you're going to see like this is inefficient. Like something that something you're doing on a day to day that everybody's doing is inefficient. Now, can you do something to change that? Because that can bring great value, and that's adding value. So you can, I don't know, save five minutes of every hour for every consultant within your practice. That's a hell of a lot of money that you save for the company. So just take a time, have a look after you've kind of joined, and see like, ah, oh, this whole journey, this process that I'm I'm going through right now. It can be it can be stripped back and it can just be shortened this can be more efficient and then and then bring that to a manager so look i would love to initiate a project to do this i'd love to own this piece of work to make this outcome and i believe i can do that if you need something from them to be able to do that speak about it and um, that's effectively how to add value so how have you gone about building that rapport with um your colleagues people above you uh the people you attention you need to kind of Again, kind of taking me back to what I was saying before, literally just like be comfortable being uncomfortable in a sense, like go and speak to people who you think potentially like, oh, that they might be like CEO level or like, uh, like C-suite, anyone, C-suite is basically like CEO, CFO, all of those kind of people. Um, just go and say hi, introduce yourself. It's nice to do those kind of things when you have like company, like away days or, or just literally on a Friday in a pub because there's generally like a culture around that within corporate world. Like you can go on a Friday, have a drink, introduce yourself to somebody, like make friends in the business and it'll go a long way. Just take your time to do that. So how would you just add value in general? Like even, let's say I wasn't even going into a corporate role, let's say in, in my summer jobs that I've been doing, how do I add value in my retail job, my hospitality job? Okay, like a retail hospital. It's, it's kind of similar, really. Just taking an opportunity to spot where you can improve on, on a service or improve on time that is being spent for a specific role. 
in a retail world, I don't know, it might be um, like customers coming in and, and all having to line up in this specific area because there's like, at this point of the day, there, there's not a staff member on, on the tilt. Just suggest to your, to, your, to your supervisor, say, look, I've noticed at this time of the day, every day, we have a line building up because we've got somebody extra in, I don't know, like uh, the fitting room when they could be on the tilt. And that can just change the look and feel of your, your store if it's a shop. Like you can get people coming in and saying, look, ah, oh, there's 15 people in a line. I can't be bothered to buy this particular item. So I'll just drop it and come back another day and they just don't come back. But if there wasn't a queue there because you just suggested that to your supervisor and they took your advice by taking somebody off to another area and putting them on the till, they came, they bought that item, like the revenue comes up for the store and your manager looks at you as somebody who's like, okay, he's not just coming in to check in, do his job and go home. He's coming in to check in, he's adding that value. And if there's an opportunity to say, okay, I want to give somebody a little bit of a promo or give someone an opportunity to take a supervisor role or the next time something comes up, who are they going to think about? The person who added value. So it's kind of that taking opportunity to just spot an area for improvement and then being vocal about it. Um, okay, so this week I was working uh, an agency role um, and there were two ways which I noticed some inefficiencies. Okay. One probably would have, wouldn't have been something they could have implemented there and then and the other one was. And I've, I mentioned, I, I brought up the one that could be just, was a quick fix. Yeah. And the manager didn't really, had, she, wasn't, she wasn't really listening, really. I had to kind of explain it a few times, but I know it wasn't because I was unclear, it was just because she's not thinking that I can bring something that's gonna, you know, make the work more efficient. She's just thinking, this is the way I've kind of set it out, it's probably the best way. And so I, I guess, my, and because of that, I didn't bother mentioning the other way, because I was, one, I'm only there temporarily, so it doesn't really you know, affect me, but, it, Let's say I was, how would you advise um, bringing, you know, you've noticed inefficiencies, you know you can bring some more value here, you know you can help, but people who you need to be receptive aren't being receptive. How, how would you deal with that? It's a tough one because as, as much as I've worked hard to get where I have got, I've had good managers in my, in my, in my career, good supervisors and people that have allowed me to be able to kind of spread my wings and go. So it's a tough one. I'd say in this particular position, because it was a temporary role and it's just a, a bit of an agency work in and out kind of thing, it's not so much of a big deal. Yeah. Now, if you were here on a permanent basis and you were looking to really look for improvements and, and push yourself up the corporate ladder, it's tough when and your manager isn't kind of being receptive towards that. And you almost don't want to go kind of behind their back by speaking to somebody else because they might feel kind of resentment towards you for, for doing so. Yeah. So I'd say... See the way you approach the manager. You might have had a conversation about that particular thing you thought, and that manager didn't receive it in that way. We're blessed in this day and age because we have multiple ways to communicate now. So that, that manager might have been stressed that day, and they just don't have the time to speak to you and didn't have that time to comprehend what you were saying. Put a little business case together. It doesn't need to be like crazy. It could be literally just one page up. Say, this is my idea. This is what I wanted to do. Send it via email. And then drop a little... 15 minute call or something in that person's diary and say, ah, oh, at the bottom of the email, say, I'll put this together. Then I've also put in a 15 minute call in a few days for us to talk about that. Cause then you've now put a time scale on when they should actually be responding to you. They have to kind of read that before they have that conversation with you. 
it's documented. So even if they didn't really want to pay time and attention to it, it's part of a manager's role to listen to the people within them. So you've sent that via email, you've spoken to them about it, you've done follow-up actions to it. They have to listen to that suggestion. Now, whether they take it or not, it's completely up to them. But you've done the best you can do by vocalising it, then doing an action and doing a following action to it. So I'd say don't just look at the first action if it's shut down. Look at the different communication styles that you can you can use to get your to get your yourself heard effectively. And if all fails there, just look at somewhere else to do it. Yeah. I know you're enjoying this conversation, but I'm here to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Goodman Beard Oil, plant-based, chemical-free beard oil to soften and moisturize your facial hair. Order now, goodmanfactory.com, and use code GPOD1 and become a good man today. That's cool. Yeah. Um, last year, um, when I was when I was on the internship, so I came up with I was familiar with some different software, Airtable, okay. that could have done what they wanted better than Excel. So since the guy I was working under, um, can I do it? Can I do it on this? And I'll also do it on the way you want it. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to do it on this to show you like it could be better. And um, so after that, uh, we went out for some drinks with the company. And he said, Oh, anytime that you can save me time like you did there, just do it. And That's I found uh, thereafter, they were more, way more receptive to my ideas because you've done, all, you've done it once where you've shown, you know, you can help. It's kind of taken us back to that conversation I said earlier, when, um, when they see you're somebody that can do things, they trust you. And when you have trust, that's when you can do more. They start giving you things like budget to be able to do certain things. They give you time off your day-to-day -day job to spend time doing other things that are outside of your kind of working yeah. remit. So, yeah, I guess you're an exhibit of what I was talking about. When you go into your new role that you're going to be starting, like really take the opportunity to see the lay of the land and see how you can improve upon a specific area and then talk about it. Spend time in the pub, have conversations with it, let people know on the internet what you're doing because you're an exhibit of what I was just talking about. If they know that you're somebody that can do something successfully, save them time, effort, money, all of those kind of things, you're going to get all of that in abundance. So yeah, well done for that one. So you mentioned trust there, that's interesting. Um, I would say that's like a, like a, a quality or to have. What other qualities would you say are important for progressing your, your career? I'd say trust is everything. Integrity is everything. Um, for them to have the ability to know that, I guess trust and integrity go hand in hand, right? For them to know that if we're leaving this particular thing with this person, it will be done. And that's everything in business because you're going, I don't know if your company's going to be working with different clients or whatever. A manager needs to know that if I'm leaving somebody, something with this particular person, I can trust that it's going to be done. And if they have any issue, they're not just going to bury their heads in the sand. They're going to speak to me or somebody else to see if they can get help to get that job done. So trust and integrity is everything. I'd say just a, just a general things that you'd expect from somebody who's a professional so like punctuality um, appearance where it needs to be like my place right now you can absolutely wear anything to work like anything I've seen people come in with flip-flops whatever like and wear serious business but when you're seeing time look the part um, so just trust that that individual when the time is right to look and perform in the way that is adequate for the role um, so yeah just the general things trust integrity and Somebody who is effectively a doer, 
look for an opportunity to, to do things and just do it, get the job done at the end of the day, because those are the people that go the furthest. Okay. So what about um, networking? So how, how, have you, how do you go about that? How, how do you become more confident networking? So, so for example, I'm not someone, I was quite shy. Um, I'm still quite generally a quiet person. However, I realized if I just say to myself, I'm shy and quiet, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to meet anyone. I'm not going to, nobody's going to know me. So I had to find a way of whether it was pretending to be confident until I actually became confident and just throwing myself out there on, to build my network. So how would, you, how would you advise building a network and what kind of behaviours do you have to develop in order to, to be successful? In I think that, that's, a, that's a really good question because I think I'm quite similar to you. A lot of people will see me and think, oh, Cass, when I'm outside with my friends in a place where I'm in my comfort zone, could be seen as the life of the party in that particular space but when I was going into the working world it was a very different place and that 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 caught me was just a bit weird for me um so I wasn't very confident at all within the working world so I needed to find a way to channel that confidence because when I first started I wouldn't even speak loud so I was very timid to be fair and that's not the way you're going to progress in any shape or form so I developed different ways to be able to deal with that and push forward. One thing I would do before I was going to do like a presentation or anything of the sort, I would take the time in my own time to go over that presentation loads of time and then present that back to literally myself in the mirror. See how that was going, like how I was coming across and I saw certain behaviors that I was doing that just didn't look right and professional. So I would change that in the mirror. And then I've done this a few times where effectively I'm not reading off the PowerPoint anymore. It's here. And when you see yourself do that for a few times, you realize that I can do this to X, Y, Z, like people. The biggest thing for me back when I was at Pearson in my first company, um, when I became the team leader of the data quality team, Echo Custom Operations, um, there was a project effectively to release results to the whole world. So you'll see the big results there in GCSEs and A-levels in, in um, July. July, or, sorry, August. And um, that was my project that I had to run. Um, and that's 2 million results. This is so important. You're bringing different people from around the business. And on every Tuesday in the run-up to um, results, I had to have every kind of manager, director, operations director on a call to talk about their different elements. And I'd never done that before. I was so scared. Like, so scared. Like, I'd have to go to the toilet before going on the meetings and everything like that. And this was back before COVID. Everything was face to face. So in a big boardroom, little old me had to do that with all of those people. So I did that technique. I spoke to myself in the mirror. I spoke to my family. I let them build me up to be able to do that thing and um, that presentation and, and, and speak to those different people. But don't, from my that kind of biggest um, advice I gave myself is don't be afraid to put yourself in a position that is not comfortable. So try to be comfortable being uncomfortable because when you finally do do that thing that you were afraid about, you won't be afraid the next time. Because I walked out that room, my manager said to me, smash that Marcus, like, well done, kind of thing. And um, I was like to myself, like, wow, I was just in with big this guy, big this yeah. guy, and that was fine. And then the next day when I was walking around the, biz, the building, that big guy said, oh, hi Marcus, how you doing? And then I would walk to another floor, Oh, hi, Marcus, how are you doing? All of these people now knew me 
as somebody who could do something and bring all the different elements of the business together. So be comfortable being uncomfortable until you are comfortable. That, <laughs> that's the only way I can say it. There's, um, there's no other way to say it, but you just have to push yourself to be great. And when you are there, you will bark, like you will embrace it. Like you're only going to sink and swim. And I trust that you're going to swim. I do. I so just, just, just push yourself and get into that space. Like now I will literally create a presentation for C-suite people for every company like two minutes before I'm going on the presentation. I don't even know what's on the slides. Sometimes my team might do the slides and I'll just go and present them because they need somebody in a position of power to present it. It's not the slideshow. That's what I'm realizing nowadays. It's not the slideshow and the content on the slideshow. It's how you're coming across and how confident you look. They're buying into you because people buy from people and then the asset is just what's there. So build that relationship and that rapport and kind of focus on that. And remember, like, if you're robotic, if you're, if you're coming across, like, nervous and everything of the sort, how is somebody going to have confidence in you to be able to deliver something? So, like, that, the thing that you're presenting is almost not important. It's about building that rapport. So I might deal with David Sands over there and um, be like, hi, David, how are you doing? Or if I go, hi, hi, David, like, how are you doing? He's not going to believe in me or anything I'm selling. So be confident, speak to David as if you're speaking to him on a road and he was, I don't know, the person at your checkout in your supermarket. I just think to myself all the time, this person is no different to me. Yeah, And exactly. keep reminding yourself that this person is no different to me because I'm quite a good footballer. If it was on a football pitch, me and him, curtains, like, so why in this space shall I feel a less man? Because if it was on a pitch, curtains, I would run rings, rings around him. So I just always envision to myself whenever I'm feeling a little bit nervous or anything of the sort, we are the same. And I have, I know what I'm going to talk about. So it's up to me to just talk about what I know. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah, I wanted to touch on something you said earlier. You mentioned, um, like, one of the, some of the qualities you need looking professional um and some of some of those sounded like things you kind of just they're not concrete things you can point to you kind of feel it yeah how do you learn though so me going into a new environment now what does it, how do i learn what it means to, to to look professional to look the part to, to sound the part how do i acquire and those kind of behaviors and, and learn learn the culture and assimilate into that culture without losing myself without uh, changing who I yeah. am. So, one thing I just noticed when you just said there, look, looking the part and sounding the part. Looking the part, I think it's quite easy. If you're in a professional world, there's a code of conduct and they'll provide that to you so you'll be able to see like what's acceptable. And this day and age, it's very kind of relaxed yeah, now. So, yeah. you can kind of pretty much wear what you want, generally. So, that's fine. Sounding the part, I want you to sound like you sound now. Don't change that. Because they employed you. And again, I'm going to bang on the drum. They employed you because you are who they wanted. If you change who you are, they didn't employ that person. Be yourself. Um, so yeah, just literally be yourself because that is in itself is bringing value to the to the company. I see like all the time with these big companies and them doing like kind of huge faux pas in the media because they they've let out specific communications or campaign, and it's degrading a specific type of people. If you are going into a company and you're changing the way you are to conform to a, a look or feel that you think is what they want, you're not going to be brave enough to say what you're doing there, guys, is wrong. That communication shouldn't be going out because it's going to be ostracizing a specific type of people. And I promise you, nine times out of ten, there was a boardroom meeting where they discussed that communication that was going out. 
And there was a person that looked and feel just like the people who they're going to ostracize that didn't feel comfortable to say that because they've looked and they've tried to look and feel like those other people. Be yourself because you can add value Mm. again, adding value by just being yourself and saying that's wrong. So, yeah, just be yourself, be professional, 100 percent. But be yourself, like don't change your hair. Don't change the way you put yourself together as long as you are professional and you do your job, be yourself. Yeah. And I think I think uh it's one of the main things. Once you once you know you're good at your job, once you you know, maybe not football pitch for me. <laughs> once you feel the way you feel on the football pitch and, and you have that confidence in your in your work and yourself, I guess, you know, nobody can really tell you anything. It kind of goes back to that investing in yourself thing. See, I took the time to invest in myself and become, at the time, the best project manager. I think I, I might be biased, but I think I was the best project manager in the business at the time. And that's because I took the time to invest in myself and then also invested in those soft skills to make sure that I could like, build rapport with different people. And I went over and above my job kind of doing commercial elements to, that weren't really part of my job description and everything like that. I became a well-rounded consultant. So no matter if I had um, my hair short, my hair long, there was loads of times when I was just not the most put together in that particular shape. It's the way I'm built and the way I've been brought up to have things look this particular way. I can't go and change that for to look and feel or feel more comfortable in a, spe- in a specific place because my work does the talking. I'm still able to build the rapport. And if I go and do that, then I'm gonna be kind of taken away layers of who I am and I won't be able to produce in the same way because I always say unless you feel totally comfortable within your own skin you can never perform taking yourself back to the football um, space when I was younger and I had an opportunity to go pro I used to get nervous and did you injure your knee? no I didn't get nervous <laughs> I didn't get you know what ask, ask a lot of people that say I was in a club or whatever who was your manager? They won't be able to answer. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I used to get nervous when I have big games and I wouldn't perform the way I should perform. And um, I didn't get to the heights that I should have got to. And that's, I had the tools. I was good enough, clearly. But I just didn't perform because I allowed myself to get nervous. Now, that's the big thing that I try and bang on the drum to people. Like, listen, if you understand what you need to understand to do the role, don't allow that fear to get into because you know what you're talking about. So let yourself flourish and you'll be great and it takes some, some mental coaching within yourself but you need to continue to tell yourself like speak speak to it those affirmations you might need to write it down on a board read it every day like when you're brushing your teeth like i am great i know what i'm talking about i'm going into these things like do those things and i promise you it will come into fruition i'm a big um opponent of um speaking things into existence like I started maybe doing this like three or four years ago, like speaking things into existence and saying, look, I want to be doing this at this point in time in my life. This current role that I'm going to be moving to now as I'm leaving the company in the next couple of months, I spoke it into existence. I took on a different role as heading up like Europe effectively for no pay rise, genuinely no pay rise. And I've done this for a year, but this was part of my plan. Unless I had this level of um, like management, in, on my CV, I was never going to be able to get the role that I'm about to go into. So I took that sacrifice, but I planned it out and I spoke what I wanted to do into fruition. So it's now a year and two months later, I'm going for an interview. I've spoken to four companies and I've got three offers on the table. I had choice to choose between the companies and they effectively started interviewing. It felt like I was interviewing them. They were like pushing to have me, where it was like, I've just had a conversation effectively. So 
being like speaking that into existence and also being able to kind of do the work behind it to support that you will be in a great place so like yeah i'd say it's, it's super important to to me and i feel like it should be important to everybody and um, when you go into your your new role and you have conversations where you're like one-to-one -one with your manager i feel like for people they often don't talk about where they want to be and they're afraid to say that to their manager let them know exactly what you want to be doing like let's say i see myself in this particular role in a year's time and let your manager know that from the jump like understand that because unless they know that how are they going to support you to get there they'll think you're happy in your in your role and just sit there like let them know exactly where you want to go and the time frame to get there yeah. I, I did that from yeah. the from the interview well they and they i was told it would be received well and i guess it did but um yeah right from you know, you ask them you know what's progression like how do i get to this place because yeah. you need that you need to know where you're going but you also need the people who are going to help you get there correct to know what where you're going yeah because you know? um i know you're enjoying this conversation but i'm here to remind you that this episode is sponsored by goodman beard oil plant-based chemical-free beard oil to soften and moisturize your facial hair Order now, goodmanfactory.com, and use code GPOD1 and become a good man today. If you, do, if you go in, you're going to start a new role. If you're going in um, and you're starting in, like you're just at pressure at uni, so you'll probably be quite junior in, in the team, there should be a progression path. And to support that progression path, there should be like a progression like checklist of things that you can kind of do. When you first go in, ask for that. Let them know like, oh, cool. I have ambitions to get to this particular time by this time. And what is the pathway to do that? Let speak to your manager and, and like kind of push them to, like if they haven't got something they already set, produce something that you can follow so that you can evidence everything you're doing. So like, oh, say you've done something that's a bit outside your role, like, and you've had good response from that from a client or something of the sort, take a screenshot put it in the bank like so when you can build all of that evidence and then when you come through a promotion cycle and you're like okay it's time to move forward you go to that bank and say I'm having this meeting with my manager I've taken screenshots and evidence of everything I've done to prove that I'm in this position let them say no to you they can't yeah <laughs> sorry go on they just genuinely can't yeah um no two things I wanted to to go bounce off of there firstly um do you track things that you've so how do you, do you keep track of the things that you've done. So again, in an, in an internship, you know, this is a short amount of time. So it's very easy for me to be, to say every day, I'm going to write down what I've done or every week I'll keep track of everything that I've achieved. How, how do you do that in, in your work? Do you have a diary or, or some sort of track or? So for me, I'll split it back in kind of two ways. Right now, um, it's bigger things like, so I manage a PNL for Europe now. So it's more about year-on-year year growth I've, I've been blessed and the team has done great work with me to have year-on-year year growth of over 100 percent. so we smashed it and that enables us to be able to do more things like add into the team recruitment and i can take my team out for for kind of team nights out and all of that kind of stuff all on the company because the amount of money we're bringing in that's justified so that's great at that level um but at the kind of brand new level when i was on the way up um it's very, it's very different. Um, so you can answer the question again. I just gone blank. Oh no, I was saying, how do you keep track of yeah. the so yeah um, achievements at work? In the kind of when I was a junior and kind of coming up and keeping track, 
it's not so much keeping track on the day-to-day achievements and everything it's the bigger things that you're doing so i don't know say you're working with two different team members to achieve something for your group and you've taken a record of what the situation was in the beginning worked through something and taken a record at the end there's going to be a clear change and that that benefit that you brought to the team is what you should be screaming about so i would take record of that it's all the big things that i would do over a six month span or something like that you might have maybe like five or six things that you can talk to always like the most important part is taking a record of the situation before you did it and then the work you did document that and then the situation after you did it so you can clearly go to a manager say look this was a situation before this is the work that we did and this is the outcome and this is the benefit that we brought to the team and this is what i did within that to support that outcome so it's evidence it's kind of like back in gcse days my uh, my teacher used to say point evidence explanation what is your point and what are you doing to evidence that and then what are you doing to explain that evidence effectively so yeah i always say like whenever i'm thinking about doing something in a presentation or anything i go back to my my english teacher miss prina pee everything you do point evidence explanation so what are you doing evidence what you're doing explain that and the outcomes to it and if you do that through life you'll be good literally so following from that how do you then use that to uh negotiate for bigger salaries ask for bigger roles what what kind of tips do you have for that okay so this is a contentious one with salary Mm. salary is a tough one um all because you you almost don't know sometimes unless you've been given a pay band for your particular role um what you could be earning for your business because the next man next to you potentially could be earning quite a lot more um, understand what you want to get and if you want a 10 percent um, increase i would go in and ask for something like 18 percent because they're nine times out of ten they're going to be a negotiation bartering or something like that i stay away from speaking about specific figures if you're on let's just say 30k and you want a 5k increase or a 10k increase for somebody like a manager and you come in and saying, I want to be 40K instead of 30K, they're thinking, right, wow, that's quite um, a big jump up. Even though you could evidence it and evidence why you are worth that money, that monetary amount might put them away from kind of giving you that increase. So I stay away from talking about figures, work out the percentages of what you want and go and say, look, I've worked this hard, I've evidenced this amount, this is my value in the market. And I would like to have a 15% increase. That 15% increase might actually be like 42K, but it's a percentage increase and it's justifiable and it's taken away from the kind of monetary aspect of it. And you can say, look, am I not worth the 15%? Because the market is saying that as well and they don't want to lose you, remember that. So yeah, take it away from monetary and talk about percentages. This is a slight tangent, but do you, when you, have you, have you had to do that in your career? Yeah. When you've done that, have you also taken into account inflation? So this is something that see, me and my friends have um, joked about saying when it's uh, when it's time for a bonus, we're going to have to ask for more because of because of inflation. But what what do you use to determine the percentages? A lot, a lot, really. I I, I firstly I, I don't focus so much on the job and the work. I focus on my life. There's different times in my life when I wanted to do different things. When I was younger, I just wanted to buy a car. Let me just be real. I was living in my mum's house. I just wanted to buy a car. When I was getting a little bit older, I thought, I need to get on a property ladder. And to be able to get on a property ladder in this area, let's just say I needed 250K. If I need 250K 
my um, mortgage will only, mortgage lenders will only give you four and a half times your salary at that particular time in my career or whatever. So I worked back, take like times in my salary by four and a half and seeing what number that got me and then how much my um, deposit would need to be for 10% on the two, um, 250K will be a 20, 25K. Take that away from it and you have 225. My, my salary at that particular time, I don't know, needed to be over that amount by four and a half divided, if you get what I'm saying. So if I wasn't on that particular salary, I need to see what percentage it is. I don't care about the work. I need to be able to be able to do my life decisions and be comfortable within that. So that would enforce um, what I would go for in terms of a salary. And if I can't get that within that specific role, I would move. Luckily, I've always done well within the companies I've worked in and I've, and I've kind of gone up every year. So the monetary kind of side has supported that as well. So I've never had to do that. But let the life dictate what you want to do and don't kind of go through the monotonous small increases in work because I promise you, unless you ask for it, unless you detail out to your manager what you want to do, they'll literally just keep popping you on the little incremental gains because that's just what they do. So, you, so you've been fortunate in that you've enjoyed where you've worked and you've been there for uh, long periods of time. What about any of your colleagues or, or friends? What would you say is the kind of recommended amount of time to stay somewhere before you're like, I want to change? So and the reason why I ask that is because the keep bringing up my internship, um, <laughs> but the CEO said to me that um, one piece of advice is if you're going to work somewhere, at least stay there for two years. Because when she looks at a CV, if she sees that someone repetitively leaves places before two years, she gets a sense that they're disloyal or they can't commit. So what would you say? Is, is that arbitrary or is, is that kind of no, an industry kind of rule of thumb? Or I think that's actually a really good piece of advice. Um, you don't want to be seen as somebody who's a job hopper because you can't invest time, effort, money into that person because I'm going to train you when you come into my particular team. I'm going to train you and I'm going to put my effort into making you the best consultant you are. And if I feel like within six to, 12, six to eight months that you're going to like leave, I've wasted all that effort in you and I'm going to have to put that into somebody else, let alone the cost of recruiting. So we are going to be dealing with agencies who are going to be taking a percentage of the of the of the role that I'm going to be taking. I'm going to be um, recruiting for. Um, we're dealing with the like the communications, the loss of revenue that I haven't got somewhere in situ. There's a lot that comes around just filling a particular position. So um, that is a good piece of advice. I would, in my twenties to thirties, twenties to thirty, is the year where you, I feel like you need to make the biggest moves in the shortest amount of time because it's, it's socially acceptable. When I, I've just turned 30, now I'm in positions where I need to add value. I'm about to do a digital transformation for a new company, which is a two year program of work. I'm at least gonna be there for that period of time because I need to be able to show that I came in, I ran that and I finished it to success. So I'm at least there for two, two and a half year, three years. But this time, as I told you, I was, my career has been nine and a half years and I've had nine different roles in two companies if you do not see an opportunity for you to progress past the year i would say go do the year finish a full year have that experience but if you don't see a like a position for you to grow or you've spoken to a manager and you kind of hit a glass ceiling move don't just move for the sake of moving for two three four k because it's not worth it in the long run but work that full year as long as you're happy in that role and then move. 
I think in when you're twenty in your twenties to thirties a year is, is a good time on um, a CV because if they know they can bank on you for at least a year, year and a half, that's fine. Yeah, and like you said, that that progression isn't always monetary. So you took on becoming the manager of the yeah. Euro, of Europe with no salary increase, yeah. but you what you so now that extra responsibility that you've had is almost like leverage. It to, is to use leverage is everything in the game. So. Again, I took on this role with no salary increase and I knew what I was doing because I knew I needed to build that leverage and build that experience within my CV so I can go and get that role. So I think we'll probably end on this particular area within that space. Um, yeah, so effectively I did that, got the experience, managed the P&L across Europe, which put me in an amazing position when I'm going to interview. I then talked about that interview process, which was really easy if I'm if I'm going to be completely honest, I was surprised how easy it was because the things that I was doing enabled me to then go into another company, speak to those things and clearly them seeing that I'm, I'm adequate to be able to take on that role and make and bring value to that company because I've obviously done it at my own company. So um, yeah, I say that to say, understand what position you are in at that time before you're making a decision such as that because it's not advised all the time to take on additional responsibility or additional um, effort for like for nothing effectively because I wasn't effectively valuing myself at that point in time I'm working beneath my value if you get what I'm saying but I knew what the vision was and it's important to not just get lost in the day to day I put a time frame on it and I kept to that time frame to, to move on and yeah I say that to say now that I'm going into my new space and the free offers that I had on the table for those companies considerably more than I'm on now. And it paid off. Understand the vision, basically, I'm saying. If you have the vision, you know exactly what you want to achieve and you know what the end goal monetarily-wise, like job-wise in terms of life and what you want to achieve for yourself, you can make a sacrifice for like a short-term, for a long-term gain. But understand that and really do the maths to make sure it makes sense.